Before we start this show, just a word from our sponsor. 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest that pro wrestling has had to offer. Along with their awesome line of pro wrestling apparel, they do offer many services. In the world of wrestling, there are hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads. Don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. If you would like to discuss possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or whatever, drop them a line. Go to 20 by 20 apparel. That's the number 20 X, the number 20 apparel.com. Now let's get to the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bum me, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yell about it though. You see me shining like a suit on puppy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kids, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And on Fresh of the Word, we like to deliver wisdom through great stories from the minds of bright creatives of pop culture. Through those stories, we like to dissect the journey of our guests and present actionable lessons and advice for our listeners, no matter what career or avenue of artistry they pursue. And before we get into this episode, I want to give a shout out to Knox Money, Bang Belushi, and Foul Mouth for the theme music for Fresh of the Word. And if you would like to support the podcast, you can always go to freshofthepodcast.com and just share any of the links for any of the episodes on any of your social media platforms. And also, you can subscribe to Fresh of the Word pretty much anywhere that podcasts are streamed. And that includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, pretty much everywhere. And please, rate and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It will definitely help out the show. If you want to contact me, you can always reach me by email at djkfresh at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at kfresh is the word and on facebook at facebook.com slash kfresh and you can also follow fresh is the word on twitter at fresh is the word and that's is with iz instagram at fresh is the word podcast and facebook at facebook.com slash fresh is the podcast and this is episode 138 for this episode we are joined by film writer and director brian skiba whose current project rotten tail created by Episode 137 guest David C. Hayes is premiering at select locations throughout the month of April. 
And during our interview, we talked about the process of making this horror comedy rotten tale, his history with David C. Hayes, his beginnings as a writer and director, and advice for young directors breaking into the film business. All right, let's get on to the interview with Brian Skiba. It's not Peter anymore. It's Rotten Tail now. I am a rabbit man. I mean, not like a rabbit man, but a rabbit man. Yeah, I was there the other night for the world premiere of Rotten Tail. Uh, at the Imagine Theater in Royal Oak, it was it was a fun event. Um, what do you think about uh, seeing, you know, the movie f- for the first time in front of a crowd like that? Uh, it's pretty awesome, actually. Um, you know, lots of laughs. Um, it's great seeing it on a huge, huge screen. I mean, that's uh, that's always fun. And uh, I think overall, the the response was amazing. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it was a very fun movie. Uh, it was just, it was a riot. And a lot of a lot of dick spots. That was kind of like the funniest parts. And the ministry parts were very funny too. Yeah, yeah, I know. We, uh, we, we definitely, uh, you know, had a lot of dick jokes, that's for <laughs> sure. And, uh, and then Billy, Billy McManera, he's an outstanding actor. You know, he really, he really brought Pastor Jake to life, so... So I had um, David C. Hayes on the uh, podcast recently, and he kind of talked about uh, the history, um, you know, of doing Rotten Tail, and he, he's known you for uh, a long time. Um, you know, what's, what's your uh, story with working with David C. Hayes throughout the years? Um, so Dave was an instructor at Grand Canyon University, and I was going to film school at Scottsdale Community College. And uh, Grand Canyon, David had a festival, and... Uh, I submitted my short to his festival, and, and then uh, we ended up taking Best Short, and that's how I first met Dave, um, is my short one. And then the short also later went on to Sundance, and um, was at, was in one of the Sundance showcase, short showcase. Um, and then, uh, you know, Dave and I just, you know, we, we have the same kind of just uh, uh, sick ideas of what's funny, and uh, we just uh, kind of... And I got along, and uh, we ended up doing Blood Moon Rising um, together, which was my first feature right out of college. And um, you know, and he helped bring a crew to it, and and uh, and helped with the writing. And then uh, you know, and ever since then, we've just always kept in touch. Did Crushed Velvet, and and uh, you know, we've got numerous scripts we've written together. And, um, yeah, man, you know, he's he's been a great mentor and, a, and an amazing friend. So. Right. Yeah, before we, yeah, before they uh, showed the movie the other night, you mentioned that David C. Hayes was somebody that you learned a lot from. You know, what were some of the things that uh, you feel like you learned from uh, him being your mentor? Um, patience, probably the biggest. I mean, that's <laughs> uh, one of the biggest things you've got to learn in film is uh, nothing happens overnight when you're waiting for your movie to go. And then when your movie goes, you're going to deal with uh, a lot of different personalities. And if you're impatient, that'll just instantly burn bridges. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of fly-by-night guys in this industry. And, um, you know, they come in, they make a good film, and then they don't do anything ever again because their egos are too big or they, uh, you know, they're they're impatient. They become angry. And um, whereas with with David, you know, he's, he's just been in it for so long and, 
you know, just kind of taught me to go with the flow and, um, and that's, and that's worked for me. You know, there's, there's times in the, in the business, I'll go two, three months without a job and then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be busy for two years and then, uh, you know, and that's just kind of the ebb and flow of this business. So you got to learn that and then you got to learn how to be patient on set and things don't always go right. Most of the time they don't. And so you just kind of have to, uh, adjust. Right. Yeah. The idea of patience is something that even I've been you know, trying to deal with, because for a long time, I just wanted to go from A to Z, you know, without respecting the journey, you know, how do you deal with, you know, you know, get, you know, controlling your patience? Um, I mean, I'm uh, like everybody, you know, I'm mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it definitely gets to you at times, like you said, you know, there's, but you do have to um, get to a point and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm middle-aged now and, I think that's uh, that was tough at first, you know, because I always saw myself somewhere, you know, obviously I saw myself, you know, doing big A-list Marvel movies and this is where I should be. And then I realized now I've got to respect my journey because that's my, my journey may lead there. It may not. I don't know. But everybody has a different journey and um, and we all have our own stories to tell. And, um, you know, my path. You know, it was was there was no shortage of wild times and uh, and fun times and and I've and I've not gone without. So I have to be appreciative for those things. And I think that's what's important is it's always being appreciative of what you do have and then understanding that that your path is is, is unique and uh, and to celebrate it. Yeah, the idea of mentorship is something that I've been really interested recently. You've been talking a lot on this podcast. For you, what what makes a good mentor? Um, you know, I, I've, I've got a few, um, I've got a, I've got another gentleman named Ned Nall, who's a, uh, who was the CEO of Universal Television. Um, and then I've got Chris Kane, who was the director of Young Guns. And those are really people I can, I can call upon when I'm, when I'm having my hard times or I have a project that I think is amazing. And, and, um, you know, so I send it out to these guys and, and what makes a good mentor is, is usually what I look for is uh, a someone smarter than me. Um, that's, that's I was told once, always surround, always surround yourself with people who are smarter than you and, uh, and, and accept it, you know, understand, you know, you're not the smartest guy in the room, but if you put the smartest guys in the room on your team, your team's always going to win because this, uh, this life, as much as most people want to think it's a solo sport, it's not, it's a team sport. So, um, if you put if you put smart people on your team, you're going to succeed. And um, so I try to surround myself with with smart people, and then and then people who have who've had success. And then I um, and then I try to look at what made them successful, and, and and ask them, and learn from them, and listen to their stories. And you know, it's it's when you're when I'm with those guys, it's not about me. It's about what what did you guys do? How did you do it? You know, how how did Young Guns you know become Young Guns? You know, and and Chris will tell you it was all in the casting, you know, and, and that's and that's uh, something that I've taken to heart, you know. And so it's, um, you know, especially in Rotten Tail, you can see every character in that I, I really focused on casting. There's a there's a few roles that, you know, there's always roles that you're kind of forced into. Um, but I think um, it's getting to a point where I can be a lot more selective with my casting and, and it's making my movies better. So, um, But mentorship, it's, you know, I think you know, making what makes a great mentor is just is those, is those abilities and, and someone that's always willing to uh, talk to you no matter, uh, no matter what's going on. So, yeah. For anybody that was, you know, is trying to break into, you know, making movies, making films, you know, what advice would you give them in regards to, to just the idea 
of having to work with others and having mentors, you know, having people around them, you know, when, you know, there could be like you even mentioned that there's a lot of fly by night type of people that are in this industry, you know, what sort of advice would you give to avoid any of those hassles and be able to work within, with those teams? Um, I mean, how to be successful and work within the industry. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. How, you know, if you're trying, if someone's trying to break into the industry, what, what should they expect? And like, what, you know, what's the do's and don'ts of trying to break into an industry and keeping an open-mindedness in regards to having to work with others? Um, you know, I think what I see from a lot of, a lot of, of young kids is they're unwilling to climb the ladder. And everybody wants to be either a director or a producer um, and nobody wants to write, you know, everybody just wants to skip to the top. And, and, and then if they get that shot, they get there and, and, um, and then they blow it, you know, because of either impatience or ego or a mixture of the two or, or, you know, whatever, maybe inexperience. And I think the biggest thing is, is inexperience. And, um, you know, young people today, they, they've become accustomed to um, having it now you know, because of, of, you know, instant gratification. And it's something I'm trying to teach my sons is, um, is look, man, you have to earn it. There's, there's, there's no, nobody gives you anything. And I remember when I was in school, it was, it was tan staff. Well, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And, uh, and that's an important thing, you know, is, uh, nobody, nobody's going to hand you anything. You, you know, there are, the, there are the few lucky guys. I mean, no, no, don't get me wrong. We live in it. We live in such a huge society these days. There's billions of people on this earth. There's always going to be two or three really lucky guys that, that land the first gig, you know, and, and, and then they just happen to, to, to blossom. But that's that's the rarity. That's not that's not the that's you know that's not the norm. So what young people today need to understand is, is you know even though you're looking on Facebook and you see these guys just you know you see a couple of guys blow up, that's not the normal. There, there's there's you know thousands of people that are trying to do the same thing that haven't blown up and, and the way to get there, you know, without, without luck, you know, because there is luck, but it's not, it's, it's not prevalent. So in order to get there without luck is hard work and you got to work hard. And, and so you're, you're not going to be a director day one. You're not going to be a producer day one. And, um, you know, I see a lot of young kids on Facebook, I'm directing this, I'm a director, you know, and it's like, no dude, um, you know, you're, you're gaining experience to be a director, but you know what it takes to be a director is, is a lot of a lot of things. It takes a lot a lot of, uh, you know, I, I started in construction and I and I I lend a lot of that to, you know lend a lot of my success because I understand how to manage crews. So part of directing is you got to manage crews, you got to manage actors, you got to you got to know how to write. I have a degree in English, you know, so. You know, go build the tools that it takes in your craft. You know, I didn't start directing. I, I started in sound, actually. I was a sound guy. I ran the boom pole. I did the, the sound mixing. I had a I had a sound studio in my house because I was in a band. So I did some scores, you know, and, that, and that's where I got my start in, in film. You know, so I started there and, and, um, and then just started learning everything. The camera, went to film school, you know, even though I had already... I was a senior. I was a senior at ASU with an English degree, and, and I decided I was going to go back to school for film, and went went to a community college. That was the only film school around my uh, around ASU, and, and went went and did film school, and kind of slowed my senior year down just so I could do that. And um, 
you know, so it's it's growth, man. It's it's you know, uh, very few guys are going to get there tomorrow. It's it's gonna you know, and, and those guys that get there tomorrow, most of them burn out quick. So I think it's all about um, the long game, and that's what I always tell myself: is have patience. It's it's a long game, you know. Build, build, build. Not every project's going to be perfect. Not every project's going to be a hit. Um, it's just like creating music. You know, every song you write isn't a number one the same in film and um and so you just got to keep going and some people are going to tell you you're worthless and that's the hard part you know they're always going to be the naysayers but you got to believe in yourself and that's that's the most important thing so if you believe in yourself and you're willing to work hard you'll find success yeah you mentioned that you, you know you did sound before and then you also worked construction what the idea of of having these other roles or jobs along the way that have transferable skills that might help you make it in making uh, films, you know, what's the importance of keeping keeping open-mindedness of maybe doing those other jobs that might not be directly to the point where you want to be, but might have those transferable skills? Well, you know, I mean, the, the thing, the thing was, the guy being on top of the pyramid is, is, is the guy that, you know, the guy that climbed that pyramid and most guys that climb the pyramid, they, they know every brick all the way up. And, and, and that's the importance is, you know, you look at the big guys, the Tony Scott's of the world, these guys that, that made huge films and James Cameron's and Sam Raimi's and you look at these guys and these guys don't know, you know, they don't know just directing. I mean, these guys know sound. I, I, I mixed a, I, I my first, my second, I was, third film my third film dirty little trick i had a room right next door to uh to tony scott and he was he was mixing unstoppable the train movie and um and i got to meet him and talk to him for a minute and and he was telling me that um sound is so important for him he he's at every sound session and he sits right in the middle of the room with the mixers and and understands how the boards work understands how the mixing works and you know and that's just it is, is if you want to be a successful boss or the guy at the top of the pyramid, you got to know everybody else's job. And so the best way to know everybody else's job is to actually do it, you know, is actually open up Avid and then learn the program. Because when you're sitting with an editor and you go, I want to do this, there, and that, and you don't understand, you're trying to describe him a J-cut, and, and, but you don't know the lingo because you've never sat in Avid or bothered to learn, you know, the editor speak. Because every, 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 every job has its own little lingo too, you know, and, and that's, what's important is, is understanding, you know, understanding music. What's a crescendo? What's that mean? You know, go, go and go and find out, go, go, uh, you know, you don't, you don't have to be a musician to, to read about it or to go sit with a guy that writes score and, and say, okay, what, he, here's a big buildup. What's that mean? You know, here, here, here's a little, uh, you know, subtle ending. What, what do you call that? You know, those kind of things. So, um, you know, um, that's what it's, that's what, that's, what's important. You know, you've, you've got to know all the crafts if you want to be the guy at the top. Getting back to Rotten Tail, uh, David was saying that this story has been like to bring it to a movie has been like a 19 year journey for him. And, you know, tell, you know, from your, you know, from your side of things, how did uh, things start in regards to making it into a film? Started for me, I think it was four years ago, three and a half, four years, something like that. Um, David David approached me um, at the time. I was being ripped by Shoreline Entertainment, um, 
and David approached me and said, "Hey, man, you know, I, I, I'm I'm not going to act again." David was acting and decided he didn't want to act anymore; he just wanted to focus on his writing. So I introduced him to my manager, who loved writers, and um, and my manager took him on, looked through his projects, and then came to David and I and said, "Hey, look, um, there's this project here, Rotten Tail, that David has. You know, Brian, you know, you, you guys already did one together. Why don't you guys do another one together?" And um, and of course we were like, well, that's done. Yeah, we should have thought of that a long time ago. And um, and so um, I, I had already read the graphic novel at that point, but I hadn't read the script. So David sent me the script, um, and I read the script, and he and I proceeded to rewrite the script over and over again because the script initially was a direct like rip from the headlines um, of Rotten Tail, whereas I felt like um, you know I, I felt like the graphic novels one piece of work let's not try to uh, duplicate that piece of work let's try to uh try to emulate or or, or uh, you know um accentuate the piece of work so um what i thought was more interesting was the rotten tail um birth story i guess is you know the how how he's created i always think those are great stories and, and a good start to what we hope is a franchise so um and so that's how I was introduced, and, and David and I worked on the script for about a year, year and a half, and then, um, you know, funding started rolling in, and, and uh, we got to work, made the film. You know, aside from your, you know, your long-standing friendship with uh, David, what was it about the, the Rotten Tail story from the beginning that sort of uh, piqued your interest in wanting to do this movie? Um. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Grindhouse. I'm a huge fan of B movies. Um, you know, I, I I grew you know I grew up in the '80s and, and early '90s or, or my teen years, and those were um, you know those, those were cool times for movies because things were fresh. You know, it's 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 not like you know, and and not everything had this gloss like today. You know, today you can destroy an entire freaking city and it looks totally real. You couldn't do that back then. So you had to be creative with your, with your storytelling. And, uh, and that's, and so when I, when I got my hands on Rotten Tail, it was, you know, it was based in the eighties and, and uh, I was like, man, this, you know, David and I had already done Blood Moon Rising, which we, which was the sixties. And we had, we had this concept with Blood Moon Rising that it was a grindhouse movie that was locked in a, in a, in a vault until today and then we we finally released it you know so it was, it was locked in a vault since the 60s and so we were like well let's just let's just do that again it had success then um you know bloodman rising had was picked up by e1 and it did really well and it's got a cult following so we we're like let's let's kind of let's 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 stick to it you know let's kind of try to make this thing into a, a thing for us so we did it again and the idea is, is you know it's, it was rotten tail is uh you know, it, it was it's a 1980s uh, VHS tape, you know, filmed on 16 millimeter. And, and uh, you know, um, that's what you're, you know, we want to take you back to the early 80s and, and, and watch a film that you missed. You know, you didn't get to see it. And so that's the idea with Rotten Tail is, is this is a film from the 80s. And, and uh, you know, even though it's brand new, it's, it's going to look like the 80s. Um, sounds a little bit better. But, uh, you know, other than that, it's going to look like the 80s and it's going to it's going to play like the 80s, feel like the 80s, and, and hopefully you laugh. And uh, that's, that's, the, that's the point. Yeah, when I was talking with David, he said that like after you, after you guys uh, did you know, all the script writing, he kind of took like a hands-off approach to the making of the film and kind of 
just put the trust in you and the crew that you put together to make this film. You know, how do you feel, you know, you know, how do you feel about the trust that David put into you to make this film? Um, I think it's great. You know, I, I appreciate that. You know, it's, um, you know, um, yeah, as, as a creator, that's, that's the way a lot of my producers work. Um, you know, once the script's nailed down, they know that I'm going to deliver them a, a great marketable film. And so, um, you know, that's just kind of, um, you know, uh, and again, building upon my skills and, and my experience, um, I'm fortunate enough that I, that I, you know, I'm allowed to do that. Whereas, um, you know, there's a lot of people that uh, end up having to deal with a lot of hands-on and, um, you know, their creativity gets stifled. So fortunately, um, I didn't have that case and, and, you know, it's, it's, it says a lot and I'm thankful that Dave did that. From the time you started rewriting the script with David to the uh, to the time when you started started the movie, you know, what was going through your head about what you wanted to do with it, and did anything in general change throughout that process? Mm, I mean, things always always change, but um, big things, no, no. I mean, the the idea. I mean, the the thing is, we we already had a fan base we already had um you know we already had something we were working from so the world was already there um you know i think big changes come when when you're starting something really fresh and it's like oh we could do this or we could do that but when you're working from an adaptation um the world is already kind of defined so i would say the only thing that was was uh was askew was that um you know uh the look of rotten tail we didn't really we we uh you know, our Rotten Tail, I think, looks absolutely amazing. And, and uh, we owe that a lot to Todd Tucker and Illusion Industries and um, and uh, Josh Chessier, one of the producers. And because uh, we wanted – I didn't want the hairy bunny Amazon suit. You know, I wanted something that looked scary, but then when he cracked a joke, made you laugh. <laughs> and uh, that was important. So, um, so, but as far as departures, no, man. I mean, up, up until we were shooting, there was a lot of scenes from the comic that that are still in the movie. You know, um, you know the the scene where he uh, where he ends up getting with Destiny. That's straight ripped from the comic book. You know, um, you know, I won't, I won't spoil too much, but there's a lot straight from the comic book. You know, in in regards to the the jokes in the movie, there's a lot of silly punchlines in the all really good you know was there any was there any sort of improv involved in that or was all that just straight up from the script you know what was sort of the freedom in regards to you know making those punchlines actually work in the movie um well there, there's always um you know i mean some directors i want you to say every word exactly as it's written um, i'm not one of those guys because i feel like that stifles creativity um so when um you know unless i'm doing obviously something for a network or something but if it's if it's like this where it's a you know where we have creativity and and i've brought in actors like uh like corn and billy that are amazing and dominique and, and johnny and you know, these guys that I trust and, um, and I bring them in and we work together. And, uh, so a lot of corn stuff, um, you know, it was, it was spur of the moment. It'd be either he, he, he just toss it out there or he and I would work on the, on the dialogue prior to, 
going to set, um, you know, and, and come up with some of these jokes. You know, we'd sit around the trailers while stuff was being set up and we'd run the scenes throughout, you know, we'd run the scenes together and then, and then we'd be like, what about this? What about that? And we kind of just riff. And, um, and so that was a lot of, uh, that's where a lot of the one-liners came from was just us riffing off each other. And then, um, and then, you know, the, and, and, and Corin, you know, it's, great personality man and, and he's, he's very funny and, and a great actor and, and you know he would just he would just uh you know riff on the fly too there's 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 probably at least a handful of lines there that you know still make me laugh and uh you know even though i've seen it so many times that that were solely him just in character you know and and you know being in character and in the mask and, and he put it on and then uh and then a lot of billy stuff pastor jake um you know was was also um Billy and I just riffing in a lot of the commercials. They, those weren't initially in, actually written on the page. Uh, we had one commercial that was written on the page, and then um, we had actually broke down the set and walked away. And I kept playing them. And I was like, "Damn, dude, I, I'd love to have like five of those." And so I went back and I made the crew set everything back up. And I pulled Billy out of his dressing room. I'm like, "Billy, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna do a whole bunch of commercials, and then I'm gonna just litter them throughout the film." And uh, <laughs> You know, and we're just going to, you know, we're going to make an afternoon of it because we had, you know, so we had, we had some time. So we went in and, the, and we spent like three hours just shooting commercials. And at one point he was, uh, you know, he was giving this, this spiel on, you know, come on down, I'll baptize you and your family. And I was like, Billy, you're a used car salesman, sell it, sell it. <laughs> and so he goes, he's like, all right, I'll baptize you for 1995. <laughs> And that was it, man. That's that, and it just went from there. And now all of a sudden, it was like, all right, Pastor Jake charges. He's, he's not, you know, he's not giving you salvation for free. He wants money, and uh, and it worked, man. And it was funny, you know. And um, so, uh, you know, thing. I, I think a lot of comedy is, is is happens in the spur of the moment. I don't. I don't think you can write comedy and you can set the stage for comedy. But I think all the comedy greats will tell you that the actually most funny moments are are you know, spur of the moment. So. Those Pastor Jake commercials were so funny. I'm so glad you decided to do, uh, to do all of those, man. I was dying laughing, man. <laughs> yeah. They were so, I could, honestly, I could watch a whole movie about Pastor Jake and, and all his, all his fuckery going on. Cause all that was so good. Thanks man. Yeah. Well, we've, we've, uh, we've explored that. So that may come true. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. What, um, you know, uh, what do you hope, uh, you know, comes out of this movie? You know, what, what are your kind of expect expectations now that it's starting to be premiered? Uh, you know, I, I try to limit my expectations. You know, this is my, um, I think it's, as far as a director, I think it's my 18th or 19th movie. Um, as far as producing, directing, writing, it's like 25 or 26 and um, features. And and it's it's you know I'm at a point now where it's kind of like I'm numb. You know, it's like it's like the first time you get laid, it's like this is awesome. You know, by the hundredth, <laughs> it's like yeah, okay, it's awesome, but not as much. And that's kind of where I'm at. You know, it's like yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's coming out. I, I hope it does great, but I don't want to have that expectation. Um, you know, because when, 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 when you birth something like that and you put it out in the world, you just don't know, man. It's, it's like, you know, there's things that I've done where I'm like, oh man, this thing is trash and nobody's going to watch this. And then all of a sudden it becomes the, the, the most watched film in, in Spain's history. You know, it's just like, what, you know, you just, you just don't know. So, 
I try to I try to hold back on any kind of expectations until um, well after the movie's released. And you know, of course, I, you know, I'd love to see it do amazingly well and and uh, us to you know keep keep working on the franchise. So. Cool. How is it, you know, working with uh, everybody over at uh, Source Point Press on making this movie? Uh, I mean, Travis and Josh and, and all, all of these crew, they're amazing, man. Um, amazing. You know, they, they really let let, uh, let us be creatively free. And, and uh, Travis is, is uh, you know, Travis leads that group uh, amazingly well. And he's, he's fun to work with. And uh, I hope we can team up again here pretty soon. We've got a few other things cooking. So, um you know, we'll, we'll keep it going, but I absolutely um, enjoy it every step of the way with them. I always like to ask this question when I'm uh, interviewing people, but if there was a, sort of like a nugget of knowledge from your life or career that anybody listening to this podcast, you know, no matter what avenue of artistry that they're in, that they sort of could project into their own life, you know, what would that be? Um. You know, for it, it's for me, it's you know, never give up. I mean, I, I think that's that's the biggest thing is 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 never give up. Um, never give up your dreams. Never give up on uh, on uh, where you, you know what what you want to be or what you want to do in your life. Um, it's just you gotta you know, look, man. I I I, I was born in a small mining town in, in Salmonwell, Arizona. You know, I'm uh, you know, and uh, I was destined to work in a mine. You know, that's, that was, you know, and, and, you know, people talk about destiny or whatever. It's like, no, man, um, you, you pick your destiny. You get, you know, we, 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 as long as you work hard, as long as you go forward um, and, and, and hold to your dreams, um, you know, you can make them come true. And, and, and it may not be on your time and it may not be exactly how you envisioned, but you can, you can definitely make dreams come true. You just, you just got to hold, hold on to them and, and not ever let go and not let people tell you no, because everyone will tell you no from your parents to your brothers, to your cousins, to your aunts, to your girlfriends. You know, I, I've gone through two marriages and look, man, everybody's going to tell you no. And you just, you just got to go, you know, this is my life. I, 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 I want, I want this, I want this dream. And, um, as long as you hold on to that, um, you, you can make it. How did you kind of uh, go about, you know, when you grew up in this town that you're, you know, most people are destined to go into this one career, you know, how did you kind of stay true to yourself and take this other direction? That wasn't easy. I mean, um, you know, my, my parents eventually moved to Phoenix and, and then, um, from there it wasn't easy. Um, I had, uh, you know, I, I had, uh, you know, basically I just had to say, this is what I'm going to do. And, um, I moved out, lived on my own and, um, I had to have the job in construction and, and that kind of supplemented me going to college, um, you know, cause I had to pay for my own way. And uh, so I paid for college and I paid for, I paid for film school and then eventually I paid for a camera and, and, um, you know, and then I started filming and, and then I got my first feature and, and, uh, and that allowed me to start doing it full time. And then I just, um, you know, it, but it was, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't easy. And, and there's lots of times where you're sitting there and you're, 
eating top ramen totally broke and wishing, man, maybe I should, you know, try something else. But, you know, the passion was too strong. It's, I, I didn't want to, I didn't see myself doing anything else ever. And I think that's, that's what kept me, uh, kept me going. Yeah, even though you had that passion, was there a moment in your life, in your career that you just realized, hey, uh, this uh, directing thing that I'm doing, it might actually work out? Uh, it was probably when my first. Uh, it was probably when I when I had a, my first TV movie. Um, you know, uh, I think it was seven years ago or six years ago. Defending Santa uh, as a Christmas movie, which is weird because I, the only movies that I had directed to that point were uh, uh, two horror films and and a sci-fi. You know, a horror comedy, straight horror another straight horror and a sci-fi. So I had done four movies to that point. And, um, and, you know, so I had no idea what I was doing. I just had somebody come to me and say, Hey, you know, people are buying Christmas movies. You should write one. So I wrote one and I got it picked up by a network and I met the network exec and we got along great. And, um, you know, the film still rates, it still plays to the day, you know, it's still every Christmas it's, it's on ION channel. And, um, and that's that was really the first time when I think my parents also kind of accepted it. They were like, "Oh, you know, he's, he's uh, actually this is a career." So, um, yeah. So that's that was kind of first time where I was like, "All right, this you know I can actually make some money at this and um, and you know and make a career out of it." And it's and it's not and it's not a lottery. You know, you can you can work at it and. Um, and I think that's become it's becoming more institutionalized just because there's so much media these days. You know, I think I think you know back in the 80s and uh, 70s and 80s where my parents grew up, it was uh, you know it, it was a it was a far fetched dream. You know, being you know being in the movies. Whereas today, there's so much work in the industry. You know, um, there's just you know you, you can go to school for it. You can you can get a good job. You know, granted, it's probably not going to be a, a director or a producer or, or something like that, but you can definitely go and there's and there's solid tracks. There's ways to get in the industry. There's ways to make money. There's ways to be successful. And um, you know, we're and it's a lot more, a lot more opportunity these days. But so that was my interview with Brian Skiba. For more information on where you can see Rotten Tail the movie, go to rottentailthemovie.com. It'll be in select theaters all this month of April and will soon be available on DVD and Blu-ray. And remember, if you can, please go to the Fresh of the Word Patreon at patreon.com slash fresh of the word. And please, there's a lot of goodies that you can get starting with the $3 per month tier. But only for a dollar, you could just help out if you only have a dollar a month. But please go to patreon.com slash fresh of the word if you want to help out a little bit. All right. Thanks for listening. Goodbye and good night. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.